That video that you just saw is going to be shown in all the movie theaters in town. So as people are getting ready to watch Star Wars or getting excited about that, they're going to get to see the preview of the greatest story ever told that we're going to be telling here during Advent season. As if you missed the announcements, you may be wondering, you know, why do we have uh, uh, decorations, not only Christmas decorations, but also some uh, Star Wars uh, stick-up figures outside, or why are we showing a video like this? Well, I, I ha- we can't deny the fact that uh, one of the greatest movie sagas is about to come to an end on December 20th, the final Star Wars, at least they say the final Star Wars movie is going to be made, uh, episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if you've seen uh, Time Magazine or Newsweek, but both of them have cover stories about Star Wars. Both of the magazines uh, that I've had a chance to read highlight the fact that the impact on pop culture of Star Wars, the saga, is undeniable. In fact, every time uh, one of these nine movies have come out, uh, or one of the eight of the nine, the ninth hasn't come out yet, but I'm pretty sure it will be a lead, a hit at the box office. Every time these movies have come out, uh, the year that they've come out, they've been the leading movie in the box office all every year except for one. Uh, still to date, the most uh, profitable of the Star Wars series was the original Star Wars New Hope in 1977. Adjusted for inflation, it grossed $3.3 billion. That's a lot of money. And it, was not, it, it won six Academy Awards, if you'll remember. In fact, that first movie changed the way that movies were made it changed the way movies were marketed as well. If you'll remember, they released toys about the new Star Wars and wrote some books about the new Star Wars uh, saga coming out before the movie actually released in 1977. The second highest grossing film in Star Wars saga adjusted for inflation was episode seven, The Force Awakens. It made $2.1 billion and it was released 38 years after the original Star Wars movie came out. It was released in 2015. So this, has covered the, this movie has covered the, the generations for sure. I remember as a little boy, uh, the first movie I remember seeing that was not a, a Disney movie that was not an animation was that first Star Wars in 1977. I couldn't believe how big that spaceship is at the very beginning. I was just overwhelmed. I was so excited. I went and bought all the toys. And basically for the 70s and 80s, I was engrossed with Star Wars. And now it's back for a new generation of young people. Uh, The only movie that didn't make a billion dollars was episode two, Attack of the Clones. It's the only one that was not the best-selling movie of the year of of its release. It only made $926 million. So a little bit of a low dip year for them. Why have the Star Wars movies been so popular? Well, the Star Wars movies, if you've seen any one of them, you know that the special effects are wonderful, the music is fantastic, the acting is pretty good. It's a great story, though. That's the reason people keep coming back is because of the story that it tells. It, it keeps us wanting to know more. How do all these characters and these storylines interrelate? You see, George Lucas was a master storyteller, the creator of Star Wars, and he was mentored by a man named Joseph Campbell, Joseph Campbell wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. After studying some of the most popular stories of the past, Joseph Campbell makes the case that every great story has a hero, a hero who is called to great adventure. But to succeed, this hero must have a mentor, and this hero must have friends to help them do what he's called to do. An example of this, of course, would be the great story of King Arthur, who had the wizard Merlin as a mentor, and the Knights of the Round Table who who helped uh, establish and maintain his kingdom. 
Now along the way, the hero of course is going to be tested and face many challenges and ultimately this hero is going to mature and become greater in his character and this personal growth and achievement will eventually lead to success and the success of the hero should lead to greater peace for everyone. It should make life better for everyone. It was through his friendship with Joseph Campbell and his study of the epic stories of the past that George Lucas wrote the Star Wars saga. Now the first six movies of Star Wars, if you haven't seen all of them, and I I have seen every one of them, uh, the first six movies of Star Wars center around a character named Anakin Skywalker, who later becomes Darth Vader. Now in episode one, we learn that Anakin Skywalker was born of a virgin. Now where do you think George Lucas got the idea of someone being born of a virgin? Well, George Lucas was raised a Methodist, actually. Uh, He could read the Gospel of Luke like we just read. And in the story of uh, Star Wars, we find Christian motifs. Now, it's not a Christian movie, but there are certainly Christian motifs. For instance, in episode four, A New Hope, the original one that was released in 1977, you may remember Obi-Wan Kenobi tells Darth Vader that if you kill me, he says, if you strike me down, I will become even more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Obi-Wan Kenobi then allows Darth Vader to kill him. You remember, he just holds his lightsaber still and allows Darth Vader to, to slice him. And when he, he kills uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of vanishes. He just sort of disappears and his cloak falls to the ground. Well, later in episode four, you find Luke Skywalker trying to do the impossible, trying to shoot a, 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 a bomb, a, a, a laser bomb, through a very tiny hole to help destroy the Death Star. And the previous pilots had all failed as they took their shots trying to use the technical equipment that would guide you in making such a a difficult shot. Well, in the midst of this, while Luke is flying his X-winged fighter, he hears the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi speak to him and say, Luke, use the force, Luke, let go. And so Luke lets go and he takes the shot using the force and his shot hits, it goes through that impossible hole and it allows him to destroy the Death Star. Obi-Wan Kenobi proved to be more powerful when he was dead rather than when he was alive. We actually see something similar in the Gospel of John. You may may remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples that he must die so that he can leave them with the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus actually tells his disciples that they will do even greater things than he has done. Now, how is it possible that the disciples of Jesus could do even greater things than he did while he was on this earth. Well, while Jesus was on this earth, he was one man living at one time at one place. Once Jesus dies and is raised from dead and eventually ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit is sent and fills the disciples and empowers all of his disciples to do the work of his kingdom so that wherever his disciples are, the Holy Spirit is in them, empowering them to do the work of God's kingdom. They are now many people in many places at many different times. His Jesus proves to be more, even more powerful in his death than in his life. Now we know that Star Wars is not a Christian movie. It's coming out during Christmas time, but it's not a Christian movie. In fact, George Lucas now describes himself as a Buddhist Methodist I have no idea what that is. 
I researched that. I'm like, what's a Buddhist Methodist? I couldn't find that in any major denominational books. But I do know uh, what a, a Buddhist is. I know what a Methodist is. My father was Methodist. I'm very familiar with Methodist. We love Mark Welsheimer across the street at Polk Street. But a Buddhist believe in reincarnation. They do not believe in a personal God like we do. Uh, they seek to reach nirvana through the eightfold path of right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Buddhists emphasize what you need to do. Christians, we emphasize what Jesus has already done. In Star Wars, though, we can see that there's quite an influence of Eastern religions throughout the story with its emphasis on the Force and how the Force binds everything together. In fact, Anakin Skywalker, who is prophesied as the chosen one, is supposed to bring balance to the Force because there's a good side to the Force and there's a dark side to the Force, very similar to the yin and the yang of Taoism. According to Yoda, the force surrounds us and binds us. As Yodas explains, a Jedi Knight uses the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. The Jedi Knights are selfless. The Sith, Darth Vader, and all the other evil characters who are guided by the dark side of the force live for selfish reasons. This emphasis on the force has led some people to describe Star Wars, the Star Wars movies, as religious movies. It was interesting, George Lucas, though, in an interview with Bill Moyers, explains that I don't see Star Wars as profoundly religious. I see Star Wars as, talking, as taking all the issues that religion represents and trying to distill them down into a more modern and easily accessible construct that people can grab onto to accept the fact that there is a greater mystery out there. So Star Wars is not a religious film, according to the maker, but there are certainly religious motifs, themes, particularly some Christian motifs like the virgin birth or the sacrificial death of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the internal struggle between good and evil that we all experience as Paul writes about in Romans chapter seven, the good I want to do, I don't do, and the things I want to do, I fail to do. So we all wrestle with that good and evil. In fact, throughout the Star Wars saga, the characters often say to one another, may the force be with you. Now, where do you think George Lucas got that idea? from us, the Lord be with you, and people say, and also with you, right? He didn't make that up, he got that from us. Now since I know that most people in our culture are probably gonna see these Star Wars movies, I thought it would be a good idea for us to, to focus on how the Christmas story, the greatest story of all, speaks to some of the themes that we find in Star Wars. How we can use the themes and some of these motifs to build a bridge between this popular movie and the greatest story of all of the true star of Christmas, the true chosen one, Jesus Christ, who was in fact born of a virgin, who came to save us all. Now many people tend to think that the story of Jesus begins in the New Testament, in Matthew 1 or in Luke 1, but we know that the story of Jesus begins way before that. Hundreds and hundreds of years, the prophecies of Jesus had been spoken. In fact, I'd like to look at one of those prophecies today that we find in the book of Isaiah, chapter nine, written over 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning with verse two. It may be found on page 729 of your Red Pew Bible. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. 
Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you are the author of the greatest story ever told, the true story of the true star of Christmas, Jesus Christ. And we could see that he did not just come onto the scene in the first century AD, no, he was spoken of many, many years before. We thank you, Lord, for the words of Isaiah, words that offered hope in his day and hope to us today as well. We pray, O oh Lord, that as read these words of Isaiah, that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you. Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning with verse two. Listen to the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. I want to pause there just for a moment. What is this darkness that Isaiah speaks of? Why is it that people are walking in deep darkness? Well, Isaiah lived in the 700 BC, and Judah in 735 BC, King Ahaz was king. And we read in first, Second Kings chapter 16, verse 2, this about King Ahaz. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God as his father David had done. King Ahaz's reign was a reign full of darkness because he worshiped foreign gods. He would offer sacrifices to foreign gods, to false gods. He even offered his own son by his fire, something that was condemned by Leviticus chapter 18. During King Ahaz's reign, King Rezin of Syria and King Pekah of northern kingdom of Israel rallied together to wage war against Judah in an attempt to besiege Jerusalem and to overthrow King Ahaz. Isaiah the prophet tells King Ahaz that he should turn to the Lord for help, but King Ahaz doesn't do that. Rather, King Ahaz tries to make an alliance with the king of Assyria to rescue him in his time of trouble. Well, they are successful in defeating King Rezin and King Pekah, but at a great price, according to Isaiah the prophet. For Isaiah explains to King Ahaz that because he refused to turn to the Lord first, God will eventually send the Assyrians to attack Judah as well. They will swarm on Judah like bees, Isaiah says. So in the seventh century BC, Judah was either in a war or under the threat of constant invasion by the growing Assyrian empire who conquered the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC. There was great darkness hanging over the land of Judah. That's why Isaiah writes, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. There is still hope in the midst of this darkness. You have multiplied the nations, O God. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. You'll remember the story that we find in Judges of Gideon conquering the army of Midian with just a few hundred men. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, 
To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now notice that this child born to Jerusalem is going to be named the Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to his reign. His peace will continue to grow as he reigns over the kingdom of Judah. Now the original word for peace that we find in Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven is shalom. Shalom in Hebrew means more than just simply peace, but it also means wholeness, completeness, salvation, which ultimately, as we can see from our text, is a gift from God. For shalom, peace comes from the prince of peace. It comes from God. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7 lets us know that God is going to bring his people shalom, peace through the birth of this miraculous child. Shalom is not something that we can obtain on our own. Rather, it is given to us as a gift. As you read in the last phrase, uh, sentence of verse 7, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's the zeal of the Lord that will ultimately bring us his son, that will bring us his peace. It's interesting. In Star Wars, the chosen one who is prophesied about is supposed to bring balance or peace to the force. Jedi Knights in Star Wars, if you've watched the movies at all, you know that actually they're guardians of peace in the galaxy and justice. And Isaiah, the Prince of Peace, is going to bring shalom, not just to himself, but to all of Israel. For he is the Prince of Peace, mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father. He came to bring not only peace to Israel, but ultimately peace to the whole world. Do you have peace, shalom, today? You know, with the Christmas season, there's always a lot of hustle and bustle, is there not? There's a long list of gifts to buy. There's Christmas cards that we hope to send out. There are decorations that we need to put together. There are trips to make. There are parties to attend. There's a lot of preparations that come with the Christmas holiday, is there not? And sometimes that can disrupt our peace, can it not? Several years ago, uh, my wife and I actually made the trip down to San Antonio for Thanksgiving. And with so many great stores in San Antonio, uh, we decided to take advantage of those Black Friday Day sales. And so I was given a, a long list of toys that I was supposed to get at Toys R Us on 410 in San Antonio. Well, I learned what time it opened, and so I tried to get there as soon as I could. And I got there maybe five minutes after the store had opened, and the parking lot was already full. And to my dismay, as I tried to get into the store, most of the grocery baskets were already gone. I was going to have to carry everything by myself. And I had this list of of toys, and I was pretty sure that many of these toys were going to be at the back of the store. 
And so like a running back, I tried to cut and weave to try to avoid other parents. And I got bumped and, and you know, it wasn't not, not intentional, but they bumped me and I bumped them, I'm sure. But apologizing all along the way, trying to get to the shelves where my kids' toys would be. But when I got there, they were gone. I was like, oh no, my kid will not have the toy they want this Christmas. In desperation, I went to one of the, the store managers and I said, do you happen to have this item? I can see that it's listed here for sale, but it's not there. Do you have this Lego piece that my kids are really wanting? Do you have it in the back? Do you have an extra box? He went back and looked. I prayed. God didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> they were done. It was gone. I had lost my peace from the day before on Thanksgiving Day. My expectations for a successful day of shopping were ruined, I knew that my kids were not going to get the toy that they so desperately wanted. Unmet expectations, the consumerism of our culture, endless busyness, countless demands on our time, discord among friends and family members, anxieties about the future, financial worries, unexpected tragedies, all these things can disrupt our peace. Can they not? We know that Jesus came, the Christ child came to bring us peace. He is the Prince of Peace. But we don't always have peace, do we? We know that peace is a fruit of the Spirit, but sometimes we can fail to display God's peace, can't we? Why is that? Where can we find the peace, the shalom that we all long for for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace shalom there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Peace for Israel was going to be found in the birth of a son, the birth of a little baby boy, the Prince of Peace. And peace for us today is going to be found in that very same son in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. For Jesus came to this earth to give us shalom, to give us peace, to give us wholeness, to give us salvation. And we can receive this peace, this shalom, if we will simply turn towards him. Later on in Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet writes in Isaiah 26 verse three, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The key to maintaining peace, to having that shalom that Christ came to be, bring is to not allow ourselves to become distracted but rather to stay focused on him, the Prince of Peace and his constant presence with us. So how can we do that well? 
How can we make sure that we're the kind of people who remain focused on Jesus? After all, in this world with our technology, it's so easily to get distracted by so many different things. How is it possible for us to stay our, keep our minds focused on someone we can't even see, but we know he is there? How can we maintain that focus on him who came to bring us peace today? Well, if you remember from Sunday school, the Apostle Paul, while he was in prison, wrote a very powerful, encouraging letter of thanksgiving to the church in Philippi. And in Philippians 4, verse 8, he explains how it is that we can give thanks in all circumstances, how we can rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice, even though we may find ourselves in difficult, painful, challenging circumstances, we can still give thanks. And the key to giving thanks and in maintaining focus on God's presence with us is found in Philippians 4, verse 8, where Paul writes to the church in Philippi and says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, is there anything more honorable more just, more pure, more lovely, more commendable, more excellent, more worthy of praise than Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. So one of the great ancient practices of the earliest church fathers was a prayer called centering prayer, where rather than getting distracted by all the things of this world, we we quiet ourselves and we center our hearts and minds on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Now how do we do centering prayer exactly? Well, in Centering Prayer, one of the first things you want to do is you want to close your eyes. You want to breathe in and clear your mind. And one of the things I like to do when I do Centering Prayer is I I say the name of Jesus. Whenever I find myself becoming distracted, I just continue to take a deep breath and I breathe out the name of Jesus so that I begin to focus on Jesus and all that he's done for us. And as I begin to think about Jesus, different scenes from the gospel stories come to mind and I begin to realize that Jesus has always been with me Jesus will always be with me, and he is the God who has been so faithful to us in all that he's done for us. As I think about Jesus, I'll think about the time that he said, let the little children come unto me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Or as I'll think about Jesus, I'll think about how he healed a leper, or he allowed a lame man to walk, how he offered a second chance to a woman caught in the very act of adultery. So I'd like to do that this morning in this time of this message. I just want us to spend some time in centering prayer. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes if you can. We're gonna do this together and we're gonna take a deep breath and as we take in this deep breath then we're gonna let it out and we're gonna say the name of Jesus. Just whisper the name of Jesus. And I want you to think about Jesus. He alone who is worthy of our praise, who is commendable, who is excellent. And if we find ourselves being distracted, just take another deep breath and say the name of Jesus so that Jesus inhabits the thoughts of our heart and mind this morning. Please join me in this centering prayer.